Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts, plus also as well, Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check out Joe Soro and also Chris Ardieri as they discuss the world of fantasy football on the eve of your fantasy football draft. So go ahead and check it out today wherever you get your podcasts. Also as well, speaking of Joe Sorrell, he's Ox1947. You can go ahead and find him today at LakersBall.com and please support the company that he owns. If you are in the Southern California area and you want your lawn transformed into something much more magical than it is today, it's Symblades. Symblades with a Y.com. Our good friends, Jamie Sweet and the number one Lakers blogger that's out there. I'm going to give them a shout out here. Just make sure that they're coming this weekend for their own Lakerholic Spotlight, and you can find out what they do for the rest of the week at Lakerholics.com. Also, Swall Empire Jeff TV, who's been on our show many times as of late. Go ahead and support him, and also our good friend John McCallion. You can support their great channels today by subscribing to them on YouTube. And speaking of subscribing, want to give a big thank you to Magic, who did his own Subscribe-a-thon, his drive towards getting us to a thousand subscribers. So I truly appreciate him doing that. We're still today above a thousand subscribers. So please go ahead and help us out by subscribing today to get the latest notifications on when we go live with the latest Lakers Fast Break podcast. Well, we continue our roundup of all 30 NBA teams. And today is no less special than any of the others because it's been great so far. We've had tremendous insight from a vast array of people. And I just cannot thank each and every individual for stopping by. And we've got another great one today from Magic Man's neck of the woods, the Toronto Raptors. That's right. We're going to be talking Toronto Raptors today. And a great individual is here indeed to do so. You've got to check out his work today. At Sports Illustrated, it is Aaron Rose. And Aaron, great to have you here. Thank you for joining us today on the Lakers Fast Break. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it so much. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, in fact, we, you, know, you said you needed on early. We got you here early. I'm just so glad to have you here. Uh, first thing up is the Toronto Raptors. Uh, you know, I spoke yesterday to 
Joshua Hicks about the Chicago Bulls, and I seem I, I seem a little bit to the same way that I was with the Chicago Bulls as with the Toronto Raptors. Like they're in the state of flux. Like they don't really know what they want to do 100. Uh, percent I don't want to go ahead and question Masai Ujiri too much because he has engineered a championship team, but with the fact that they literally played themselves out when it concerns Fred Van Vliet and the situation that they're now doing and now undergoing with Pascal Siakam, it seems like a little bit of mixed messages to the fan base on exactly where they want to go this season. Yeah, it certainly makes messages, uh, as sometimes no messages, uh, what we're getting from this front office. It's very unclear what direction they want to go. You mentioned the Chicago Bulls being one of those teams in the middle. Obviously, they knocked out the Raptors in the play-in tournament, and it wasn't that long ago, a few years ago, during the COVID-19 pandemic, when Masai Ujiri famously said uh, to Raptors fans, play in for what? That was the year they decided to tank and eventually successfully drafted Scotty Barnes in that draft. But a couple of years later, playing for what meant try and get into the playing game and probably lose in the first round of the playoffs. So uh, a very weird, disappointing season for the Raptors last year. And now we're looking at a new coaching staff, a some different in the roster, obviously Dennis Schroeder, and you guys can tell me a little bit about him, but Fred Van Vliet, who's been a staple of this organization dating back to the championship year is no longer on the team. And it seems like a, a turning point for this organization. Are they going to continue trying to contend and, and make the playoffs and probably be a first round out best case scenario, or do they pivot and try and build around Scotty Barnes? And I think that's a decision we're hoping to find out this off season, but this off season's getting uh, pretty late now. And maybe we'll find out uh, as the season starts, maybe at the trade deadline or next summer, but it's certainly a, a weird off season for Toronto Raptors fans. That it is, especially with the decision that was made to not either give Fred Vavlin an extension or trade him at the trade deadline and get any assets back that can help build your team. So a lot of people are still scratching their heads why they played themselves out like they did. I mean, what is the consensus there on how that Fred Van Vliet situation unfolded? I think the Raptors were really confident that they were going to be able to re-sign him or worst case scenario, they would trade him maybe to a team like the Lakers in the summer that didn't have cap space. You know, your situation was unique because of the Austin Reeves situation, but they would trade him to a team that didn't have cap space and they were going to get back something small, kind of like they did with the Kyle Lowry situation in the Miami Heat a few years ago. And it sounds like the trade offers they got at the trade deadline weren't incredible. They weren't impressive. So they figured... Worst case scenario, we get a similar offer at, uh, in, in the summer when they work out a sign-and-trade. Well, at that time, it seemed like the entire NBA world figured that James Harden was going to opt out of his contract. And that huge amount of money that we know the Houston Rockets had, they thought, the league thought, it was going to be filled by James Harden. Well, it turns out it wasn't filled by James Harden. And all of a sudden, when James Harden and that, that fell apart, it sounds like Ime Udoka didn't want James Harden. He wanted somebody with better leadership skills, someone like Fred Van Vliet. Well, all of a sudden, the Raptors got caught with their pants down, and nobody thought Fred Van Vliet was a max player. And frankly, I'm not sure the Houston Rockets felt that he was a max player. But sometimes you have to overpay in free agency, and the Raptors put themselves in a bad spot where they were forced to either pay Fred Van Vliet max contract money, which is probably more than he's worth, 
or let him walk for nothing. And that's, you know, you're stuck in a really awkward position. And I think it goes back to the fact that James Harden didn't go eat up all that Houston Rockets cap space that we were all anticipating he would take up around the trade deadline and certainly around Christmas. Oh my gosh. That's the only thing that's gotten messier out there is the James Harden situation. I think we have discussed that for hours here on this show. So <laughs> I won't torture you that right now because it's still yet to play itself out. But also here today, a good man indeed. Speaking of Toronto, I thought I'd go ahead and bring him on first. I know first man up, first man here usually gets to go ahead. And, but on this occasion, since he's a fellow Torontonian, did I get that one right? That time was better? Okay, yeah, yesterday I blistered it. Yeah, I just completely obliterated it. But he's the madman from Toronto. He did get out of Toronto traffic to go ahead and talk to Aaron Rose from Sports Illustrated. It is the magic man, Sean Grice. Sean, great to have you here talking Toronto Raptors, a team that you've seen in person on more than one occasion in recent times. Your thoughts with Aaron Rose from Sports Illustrated. Yeah, hey, Aaron. The last Raptors game I went to was against the Knicks. And after that, that game was poorly officiated, Aaron. And um, I was completely disgusted by a lot of the uh, the officiating we saw this past season. So I just stopped going. But uh, the last game I went to, I saw a lot of um, distancing between uh, the Raptors players and Nick Nurse. It, it didn't seem like they had the same focus and attention to what he was saying as uh, a, some of those guys did during the championship run. So they brought in somebody completely off the beaten path, right? Uh, Darko Rakovic, um, very accomplished almost 30 years of uh, scouting and or coaching. He's coming into a situation with fresh eyes. How do you think he's going to adapt to being a head coach now? And how do you see his style of play or how he wants to fitting in with the Raptors roster? Yeah, so it's been a tough start for Darko. You mentioned the New York Knicks, and now we know the story that the Knicks are suing the Raptors, and that's probably going to play out uh, potentially with an NBA investigation into what happened. But uh, not a great start, not how you want to start your NBA coaching career with this lawsuit that names Darko as conspiring to steal information from the Knicks. It doesn't sound like as big of a deal as the Knicks made it out to be, but again, not probably how you want to start your coaching career. As for uh, replacing Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse is a brilliant basketball coach, a brilliant basketball mind, and an X's and O guru. I think he really changed the way basketball is played with janky box and one defenses and switching between zones and the way that the Raptors both crashed the boards and got back in transition. And I think after that championship, uh, the NBA is a copycat league and people began to catch on to him. And if you want to be the basketball wizard, you always have to be innovative. And that's really hard to do. And I think if Nick was a brilliant basketball coach, maybe the area he lacked in was player communication and player management. And I think uh, the old adage is, if you have one guy who's a player's coach, you fire him, you go the opposite direction when you fire a coach. So I think Darko is coming in as maybe more player friendly. And what we can expect from him as a basketball coach in terms of X's and O's, it, it seems like he's a very offensive coach, uh, 0.5 seconds, sort of that Spurs style where it's quick, make a decision, pass, shoot, uh, dribble, attack. But he wants a lot of ball movement. That being said, uh, as I've said to other people, anyone who tells you they know with certainty what to expect from a first-time NBA head coach is lying to you. 
we thought Nick Nurse, when he was hired to be the Raptors coach, he came in as the offensive guru who knew how to run a bench and develop players. Well, a few years later when he was fired, it was because the offense couldn't work. He, he was defense first and he couldn't develop a bench. So it was the opposite of what everyone would have said when he was hired. So I think we're going to have to wait and see. And Darko seems to be young facing forward facing player friendly, as I said, but what's going to actually happen on the coach, uh, sorry, on the court uh, is yet to be determined, but certainly turning the page from what was uh, for the most part until the very end, a very successful coaching career in Toronto for Nick nurse. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, world championship under his belt. He can take that cachet now anywhere he goes, obviously he's in Philadelphia now and, We'll see how he does with the 76ers and he gets rewarded with the James Harden drama for his troubles. So there you go. Welcome to Philly for Nick Nurse. But uh, Sean, thanks so much for the question. We'll get back to you in a sec. But also here today, good man indeed, Oxide T47, LakersPaul.com. It is Joe Sorrow. Joe, great to have you here talking to Aaron Rose from Sports Illustrated, my friend. Go ahead. So I'm... I'm seeing a direction that I don't know how to say this without trying to be negative, but does it seem like Toronto doesn't want to sign anyone that's not a star, a true star? Like in terms of let's look at Pascal Siakam. He is a very, very good player. I know we use the word star and great everywhere these days, but I don't, I, I try not to do that. Uh, Pascal Siakam is a, all-star at its, at, you know, that's that's what he is. But he's not, in my view, a guy that's going to LeBron or Dwayne Wade or Giannis, your team, right? So are they looking at that player and going, this guy's going to want to get the Supermax. Is he worth paying that money for? Yes, I know we have to pay money to somebody. But is this something that they want to do, or do they want to do they want to trade him before the deadline, get assets, and then start kind of really officially doing the rebuild at that point? Uh, is Masai the right guy? Is Masai still living off the fact that Greg Popovich handed him a star? Because I think in a lot of ways Masai is getting credit continuously for something that he wasn't all involved in it was a part of it and that's because I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why he would get rid of Nick Nurse to me he was my favorite coach in the NBA he's been my favorite coach why because he's new he brought something right out the gate won a championship his rookie season and kind of just at this point proved to me when he was let go that this league just does not give two craps about coaches and and, and usually it's a star that creates that. And maybe that's been a fallacy. Maybe it's just management. Maybe coaches don't have a shelf life because there's too many voices in that, in that room. And when you're watching winning time, a lot of that banter that's going on seems to be something that happens in the NBA. It might be embellished a little, but that seems to be what goes on. Is that really what happened? Why would you get rid of, Nick Nurse, when he's hasn't been there that long, he, he no one has tuned him out yet, or have they? I don't know. I'd like to get some light on that. This is Raphael from NBA Draft Junkies.com. 
and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Bring me all of the Star Trek all of the time, and I will be an incredibly happy girl. Even if it's terrible. It's like pizza. Bad pizza is still pretty good because it's pizza. Bad Star Trek is still pretty good because it's still Star Trek. That's the way that I look at it. Just let it sit in the refrigerator for a day and be cold. That's it. Yep. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so I think there are three questions you asked there, and I'll try and answer all of them. You, you might need to remind me uh, when I'm done, but essentially I'll, I'll touch on the last one first, which is Nick Nurse. I think the, they say in sports, like, you can't fire the whole team, so you end up firing the coach, right? So, And I think that's ultimately what happened. It was a combination of two things. It was the players, I think, Nick was always at the top of the league in terms of minutes played for his players. He pushed his players really hard, uh, and I think it just reached – a breaking point where the players were like all right we're done with this guy and maybe it wasn't quite to that extent but but there was some toxicity there was some you could tell that there was something off and you can try and remake the roster a little bit but the easiest way to do that would be uh, to change the coach and the coaching staff which is ultimately what Toronto did the other half of that though was Things were already a little rocky. And then close to the end of the season, I want to say a couple of weeks before the end of the season, when the Raptors were still in a playoff race, Nick Nurse was in Philadelphia, ironically looking back on it now, and made a comment completely unprompted saying at the end of the year, he would have to take some time to consider his future with the organization. It was before the game. It was not a question asked by Toronto reporters. But all of a sudden, you have the coach in the middle of a playoff race when we're trying to focus on making the playoffs, getting out of the playing tournament, talking about his future with the organization. And that, I think, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And I think uh, Nick sort of said it was no big deal and fought the media over that comment. But when it was all said and done, Masai Ujiri said, that that was a mistake by Nick Nurse. And I think it took away from the end of the season and made that the focal point of what was going on. So I think it was as much as it was the Raptors trying to get rid of Nick, I think it was also Nick was ready to leave because he made those comments and he didn't say, get me out of here, but uh, he said as close as you could possibly say to that in the middle of the season while in a playoff race. So I'd say that's probably why Nick Nurse left and why... Uh, Maybe it was more mutual than it seemed from the outside. In terms of Masai Ujiri, um, obviously that trade being sort of gifted Kawhi Leonard the way the Raptors were and the Spurs going in a weird direction where they didn't just tear it down. They wanted an all-star player like DeMar DeRozan at the time, probably similar to Pascal Siakam, that you know, not Giannis type of player, not LeBron type of player, but a guy who's a really, really good NBA player, an all-star player. Uh, their decision to take that package from the Raptors was certainly a gift and a, a godsend for Toronto. 
But at the same time, you look at the rest of that roster and you don't win a championship without Marc Gasol. You don't win a championship without drafting players and signing players like Pascal Siakam, like Fred Van Vliet, uh, like Norman Powell. So many guys that contributed to that team. Uh, the depth on that team was truly incredible. Uh, and I think Masai deserves a lot of credit for his drafting and developing a player, certainly up to that 2019 period. That said, uh, what the Raptors have done, with the exception of drafting Scotty Barnes, and we can be frank about it, Scotty Barnes regressed and was not very good last year. Um, but his first year was obviously rookie of the year material. So uh, we'll still say that was a really good draft pick right now. But with the exception of that pick, uh, the Raptors and Masai Ujiri have made a ton of mistakes. Well, I'm not going to sit here and call for him to be fired. Uh, I think, you know, the hot seat was, was cold, 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 cold because you won a championship. But increasingly, uh, as time goes on, as seasons continue to mount that are, you know, two years ago when the Raptors made the first round of the playoffs, that was an incredible year. The last season was pretty disappointing. You have the tanking year in there. You have Fred Van Vliet walking for nothing. You have trades like the Yakka Pirtle deal that aren't so great. And I think it's beginning to be fair for Raptors fans uh, and NBA fans to say, okay, has some of the magic from Usai Ujiri uh, worn off? I'm not going to tell you he should be fired, but I, I think it's fair to look at his resume in the years since the championship and say, you know, what have you done lately? And uh, it's not such a great resume with the exception uh, of the Scotty Barnes uh, draft pick. And then to touch on your first point, in terms of the Pascal Siakam, it is an incredibly strange situation. Uh, it sounds like right up until the draft, they were taking phone calls and ready to trade Pascal Siakam. Now, uh, as Laker fans know all too well, uh, when players try and force their way to LA, it sounds like Pascal was exerting his own agency in the situation. He was telling teams, if you trade for me, I'm not going to sign with you. And he's totally allowed to do that. Uh, players have the rights to do those kind of things that are within the rules. And it sounds like that probably inhibited uh, the Raptors' ability to make a trade. Now, we know Masai Ujiri at the last trade deadline said he doesn't like to make big seismic moves at the trade deadline. So you asked about trading Pascal Siakam at the trade deadline. Well, Masai Ujiri's history would say that is not a good time to make a huge move like that. You do not want to you know, make a crazy huge max contract player kind of trade at the trade deadline. So he said that in the past. So I can't expect him to make that trade at the trade deadline. But if you don't sign him to an extension now, we're heading into an offseason next summer where OG Ananobi is going to be a free agent. Pascal Siakam is going to be a free agent, assuming you don't extend him. And we just saw what happens when you go into free agency and sort of anything can happen. You have to believe that. If you're believing one thing today, well, that could change in you know whatever it is, 10 months from now. So it's a weird situation. Do you not want to extend Pascal Siakam to a max contract? That would make sense because maybe he doesn't deserve it, but... In the NBA, those players tend to get paid a ton of money. And uh, it probably makes sense to pivot to a Scotty Barnes era and to trade Pascal Siakam now because of the way last season went. But the Raptors don't seem to be doing that. Maybe that's because Pascal Siakam's exerting agency. So you ask me, what direction are they going in? And I can tell you, I don't know because it's a spot. And just like the Bulls we talked about earlier, they're one of these teams that's in the middle that needs to pick a direction, but for whatever reason, and maybe it's like the Washington Wizards where they were on the treadmill before eventually blowing it up. 
it feels a little icky to be a Raptors fan right now. Yeah, the issue is there's really two ways to play in the NBA. One is to chase a championship or to semi-tank. I don't know if you can really tank these days like you used to, but you have to tank because Toronto is not a... You can't do a hanky. Toronto is not a free agent destination or a, a trade demand destination. And not not picking on Toronto. This happened. This is going on in New York. This is going on in, in, in Chicago. And these places are considered meccas in a lot of ways. Why? Because Chicago used to be uh, Michael Jordan's uh, uh, world and New York is New York, Madison Square Garden. So I'm not saying that, it, you know, no one wants to go to Toronto. Toronto's a very, very beautiful uh, city. Uh, but that's the thing with, with a lot of these guys. They don't want to go anywhere where it's cold. They're all, they're all a bunch of Ray Liotas and Goodfellas. Just nowhere cold. Just nowhere cold. Henry Hill, just nowhere cold on Bronchial, right? Uh, so the only future I see in this, and I'll, I'll get to Masai real quick, and then I'll let Gerald uh, ask the next question. I have not been a big Masai fan uh, because I believe his trajectory is similar to Danny Ainge in that he was handed a player, won a championship, and is still living off that same championship. And I know you can't win a championship every year. I know Toronto winning one championship is like the Lakers or the Celtics winning five. I get that. But I think the part that I I always talk about on the show is I, I feel like Everything we do in sports is obviously no no different. We are told what people are and who they are and how good they are. When I know what my eyes see, and I go, well, what what constituted that? Did he, you know, when I see somebody great, let's use great as the as the word. I see someone who saw a seventeen year old in a gym and go and went, we got to get this guy. Um, I see a guy who said, man, this guy's going to get X amount of dollars. We're going to have to skin this, 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 this team to, to, to nothing to get this number to get him over here. And that I'm talking about Shaquille O'Neal. And then on top of that, they have an extra draft pick or their own draft pick in that same draft. And they end up getting Derek Fisher. To me, that is great. And I just feel like a lot of times we get told what's great and what's good. And, and, and it's usually not true. And Toronto's situation, they have two choices here. And I don't believe P- uh, Pascal Siakam is a super max player, uh, not even close. And I even could go as far as saying he's not a max player, but that's a whole different ballgame. That's a whole different one. I know the market doesn't say that, but I, I'm like, what's this guy going to really do? Is he? A, he's probably a really, really good number two if you have, let's say, a Dame Lillard in his prime. But Dame won't go to Toronto. See, and that's the problem. I don't know what the NBA can do to change that, but that's, again, another discussion for another time. But as far as what I see in the future for Toronto is I see uh, if he's not going to make a trade at the deadline, it looks like they're going to let him walk. Unless unless the market next summer, which is probably, I don't know how, might be a good time to be a free agent because I think 2025. Well, that's a real possibility, Joe, that Siakam and Ananobi can are both can walk. That's, that's, uh, that's a real possibility. But if Fred Van Fleet can get a max deal, 
because I, I wasn't faulting them for that one. Yeah, I mean, I, OG Ananobi and of course Siakam, they both could become free agents if they if they continue to play this out. And that would be three individuals, major contributors to the Toronto Raptors that they've let go. Uh, that's a possibility, mind you, but that that is realistically on the table, isn't that correct, Aaron? Yeah, the OG situation is the one that scares me the most because of the NBA rules. Uh, we don't need to get dive too deep into these collective bargaining agreement, but the Raptors can't sign him to an extension because of the veteran extension rules. So he yeah. is forced into free agency. And that's another one of those players like Fred Van Vliet, who's not a max player. But maybe someone out there has max contract slot and the cap space to go do it. And Free agency typically isn't the best place to go shopping, but if you've got a max contract spot and OG and Adobe is one of the best players on the open market, maybe you just say, listen, he's the, the final guy for us. We could really use a elite defender, a all defense caliber defender and a really good corner three point shooter. He's not a perfect player by any means. He's a great versatile defender and he's a stand in the corner, catch and shoot three pointer kind of guy, a three and D player in terms of Pascal Siakam. It seems like Pascal's camp wants to sign an extension with Toronto. Um, but why hasn't that extension been signed yet? It seems like the Raptors aren't interested in that. So the ball, it seems like, is in Toronto's court. If they don't extend him, then they're heading toward a very awkward position. Now, Toronto will, of course, have the ability to offer him in free agency more money than anyone else. Uh, they can go to that fifth year. Uh, they can give him whatever, if he makes all NBA a super max, if he doesn't make NBA, sort of that, whatever you want to call it, the max contract for uh, a player with nine years of service. So they can still offer him more money than anyone else. But maybe at that point, if next season doesn't go so well and Pascal Siakam is, what is it, 30 or 31 years old and you're continuing to be on the treadmill of mediocrity, uh, maybe at that point you pivot to a Scotty Barnes-led team. But you certainly cannot let players walk for nothing. Talented players in the NBA walk for nothing. You cannot let OG Ananobi leave in free agency with nothing coming back. You can't let Pascal Siakam do that. Uh, we've seen that with players in the past uh, and what it's cost Toronto uh, to lose players in free agency with nothing coming back. You, you just lose your depth like that. And I don't believe, because I have to have faith in Masai Ujiri that he won't put the Raptors in that position. Uh, certainly with Pascal Siakam, he has no choice with OG Ananobi. Um, but something has to happen. You either have to trade him, extend him, or be prepared that craziness can happen in free agency. And you're going to be willing to go above and beyond what anyone else can to extend and, and I guess, sign in free agency Pascal Siakam. And the other name I'll throw out there is Gary Trent Jr., who is, you know, we heard right around draft night that he was going to be extended. Chris Haynes had it that they were nearing an extension. Well, uh, we sit here, uh, this season's about a month away and or, or just over, I guess, two months away, uh, and there's been no extension. So I don't know what's happening with Gary Trent Jr. He opted in, op picked up his player option, but no extension yet. And that's another guy, I, I suppose, who could be leaving in free agency next summer if the Raptors don't extend him and don't trade him. And by Once. extension, if uh, if they don't get anything uh, out of uh, Gary Trent Jr.'s contract, Aaron, that'll be a hill of beans that the Raptors have to show for the Norman Powell trade. So that would be Fred Van Fleet, Norman Powell, OG Ananobi, and possibly Pascal Siakam, their core four of their championship out the door in less than five years. 
Yeah. And of course you have a a bunch of other guys from that championship that I don't like to say they left for nothing because they left Kawhi Leonard left for nothing. Well, he brought you a championship and Danny green, a similar situation and uh, Marcus all and Serge Ibaka, they both left to LA. Um, The Raptors could have re-signed them, although it wasn't like either of those guys, as you guys know, uh, went on and had successful careers after Toronto. It it seems like Toronto made the right decision, letting those guys walk. Uh, That said, the Raptors spent years trying to fill that center spot. Aaron Baines did not work out for the Raptors, and it wasn't until they probably overpaid for Jakob Pertl that they finally have a center who's, you know, at least a league average or above league average starting center the way that Marcus All and Serge Ibaka were for years. So um, we're still paying for that championship, and sometimes you have to go in all in for a championship uh, to win it. And I think sometimes when you go all in, the bills are due, and we've been yeah. paying for that for a few years now here in Toronto. Once again, it is Aaron Rose from Sports Illustrated. Joe, I'll get right back to you here in just a sec. Wanted to go ahead and make sure everybody checks out his work today at SI.com. Please go ahead and check out the tremendous work that he's been doing. I've been scouring over in the past couple of days his great articles, mainly about Team Canada right now. So if you want to know about Team Canada, what's going on, what's on the road up ahead, please go ahead and check out his great articles today at SI.com. And before I turn it back over to Joe, because we've talked about OG and Anobi, the possibility of losing him, possibility of losing Pascal Siakam, possibility of losing Gary Trent Jr. for nothing or next to nothing. The reason why is there's a possibility that this team going forward and Masai Ujiri's plan is to build around Scotty Barnes. You talked about Scotty Barnes last year regressing from his rookie of the year winning season and the future supposedly for an individual that some say my good friend Raphael Barlow has the famous quote that you don't pick a number five guy uh, for just a glue guy. Uh, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but I remember that his famous quote on the air was that Uh, many people are still divided on his future. How, uh, I mean, how big can can his future be? Do you see a potential all-star? Do you see a superstar in the making? Or do you see someone that's just going to be like Rafael Barlow said when he was originally drafted, just a glue guy going forward. Yeah, and we talked earlier about how does Toronto get superstar players? Because uh, yeah. superstar players are not going to sign in Toronto. We just haven't seen that in the past. So the only way to do it is to go out there and trade for it. Or I think what Toronto is hoping is that you drafted that guy. And when his rookie season played out, people were like, this could be the guy. And I think people's expectations were really high coming into his second year. And he just um, didn't live up to those expectations and didn't even live up to much smaller expectations, for example, that I had. Um, As you mentioned, this guy, Scotty Barnes, can't just be a, uh, the garbage man in the sense that he can score 15, 18 points a night being a rebounder, a hustle, uh, a guy who, you know, stands in the dunker spot, but that's not what anyone chose the fourth pick to do. Uh, that's not how you become an all-star or superstar in this league. So he really needs to develop shooting from really every range. Uh, he's good around the net, but other than that, he is a, a so far has not been able to shoot and certainly cannot shoot from three-point range. Uh, still very, very young, and that could change. I think his his rookie season and the success he had probably he might've thought it was easier than it really is to live in the NBA. And I'm not ruling out Scotty Barnes as someone who can be an all-star player or better. Um, But I think this summer, 
and the struggles he had last year are going to be telling. Is he going to come back from last season and say, that was not nearly as easy as I thought it was. I need to get in the gym. I need to work really hard. I need to develop that shot. Or is he going to take it easy? Um, he talked about having his conditioning, how it needs to be better this season. And, and hopefully we'll see that. But I think with the exception of Giannis and maybe a few other guys in the league, uh, you need to be able to shoot in the NBA. And he needs to be able to shoot. He's a fantastic passer, but he's not a great dribbler at this point, And he's not a great shooter. And we're shooting and dribbling are, are basic parts of basketball. And, and if you want to be an all-star in all NBA, a superstar caliber player, he needs to be able to develop those things. I think we'll see a step forward from him this year, but I'm not expecting an all-star jump from him this year. Um, but if Toronto's going to get to that level at this point, it, everyone's looking at a guy like him uh, to be either the superstar that Toronto needs or to be the player that they can include in a package to go out and eventually uh, acquire a superstar. But that's what Toronto needs out of Scotty Barnes. Joe, you wanted to go ahead and ask Aaron a question. So Aaron, you've been in Toronto your whole life. Correct? Roughly. Roughly. Uh, you follow the Blue Jays as well. Are, are you Sports Illustrated's Blue Jay, Maple Leaf, Raptor? Contact? No, uh, I'm not a Leafs guy whatsoever, but no. but certainly the Blue Jays. And you want to talk about disappointing seasons right now. Uh, the Blue Jays are, are eerily similar to the Raptors. Yeah, I, I think I think I would, if I was a... Magic man. <laughs> I think I think the Blue Jays had a little bit more of a I guess preseason kind of hope. I think Toronto's kind of stuck in that again that middle ground area of do we pay this guy? Do we pay that guy? So I can I can kind of understand how that goes. But uh, the pressure in Toronto, I don't talk to Sean about this a lot, but the pressure in Toronto uh, with the Raptors, let's say, it, how is it? How, how what would you compare it to in terms of? Uh, any other team in, in the NBA. We know pressure in, in, in LA is pretty big. Uh, I actually don't really know who else has that kind of pressure. I think, you know, I think there's a fallacy that Boston has that pressure. I don't believe it. I, I think they do this year, Joe. Maybe, maybe. I, I don't feel it. Obviously, the Knicks have not been playing well for a few years now, and I don't know how that works. Uh, San Antonio is a small market. You don't really see a lot of that um i'd say where 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 does it stand i know the fan base uh is very happy about the title in 2019 similar to how the cleveland cavaliers were happy when they got theirs in 16 is that still there do they still when they have a bad week and let's say the raptors lose three in a row do they do they go back and open up their 2019 book and go and kind of caress it still <laughs> yeah so well, I said I'm not a Leafs fan. This city is still a Leaf city. And I think if, if you're talking about pressure in sports, uh, nobody feels more pressure uh, than probably the Leafs organization. But I think the championship brought in a lot of new fans to the Raptors, people who maybe weren't basketball fans or casual basketball fans. And I think that they became hardcore fans uh, in that season leading up to the playoffs, certainly in the playoffs. And as we continued on the playoffs. And I think even that following season um, where the Raptors were every bit as good as anyone else in the league, I guess the year that the Lakers won the championship. And if you ask Raptors fans, uh, they'll probably tell you if not for COVID-19 and certainly the restrictions 
Canada had and, and Raptors players had living in Canada at the time uh, and the way that Pascal Siakam was shut down uh, because of COVID, if not for those things, the Raptors might've gone head to head with the Lakers and maybe we're better than the Lakers. Maybe you guys don't want to hear that, but I think Raptors fans feel that way. Um, but I also sense that people are, you don't want to be stuck in the middle. And I think fans maybe a few years ago across sports weren't smart enough and saying, you know, we'll go to a few games. We'll, we'll win some games. That'll be fun. We'll have, you know, $20 beers and, and call it a night. But I think sports fans and certainly Raptors fans have figured out that, you know, there's merit to losing games and there's merit to tanking. And I remember when the Raptors were tanking for eventually Scotty Barnes, people were posting, you know, tank pictures and they were all aboard uh, trying to tank. And I think fans are really smart these days is I guess what I'm trying to say. And being stuck in the middle, uh, losing in the play in tournament is just a miserable spot to be. And I think fans want this organization to pick a direction and, uh, if you're going to be stuck sort of going in the same spot, and I think there are fans uh, who are skeptical of which direction the Raptors are going in, then they just sort of lose attention. And, and I don't necessarily think Raptors fans are done with the organization, but I think too long of just whatever, uh, in a way the pressure goes down because people don't care. What you want is a ravenous fan base uh, that is demanding excellence and shows up to the games and, and feels passionate in the pressures there and i just worry that too long of whatever uh you know middle of the pack team uh will lower the pressure and people will accept being just okay sean i know you wanted to talk a little bit about dennis schroeder i know yeah. he also wanted to hear thoughts our thoughts on dennis schroeder as well yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so far through the FIBA tournament, uh, Luka Doncic has not been the MVP. It's been Dennis Schroeder of Germany. Um, Schroeder is a very interesting uh, kind of polarizing player. Seems like possession to possession, Aaron. Um, can be brilliant on five possessions in a row and take a lead from, you know, five to seven points and, and take it up to 15 to 17. And then there are times when he makes three inexplicable plays offensively and then defensively, it, it seems to compound. So I, I've, I've often said that, you know, you'll get one great game out of Schroeder. You'll get one okay game out of Dennis, and then there'll be one bad game. Um, but so far in this tournament, he's played soundly and has really filled up the bucket. So to me, I look at uh, Darko as probably liking what he sees, especially if Dennis, when Dennis plays with confidence, he is a different kind of player as well. So I think he can steady the point guard position for a year, despite the fact that Fred Van Fleet's gone. Um so what do you think it portends to as far as is this a tryout or do you think that basically he's here for a year and we're going to reevaluate the position? Well, I'll just push back on the thing you said at the, the, the beginning of that statement, which is Shea Gilgis-Alexander has, a, has a, something to say about being the MVP of the FIBA tournament. I think Canadians are quite impressed with the way uh, Shea's been playing oh. so far. And, and as you guys mentioned, I've been writing about that a lot lately. In terms of Dennis, um, he came in and in his uh, first media availability, he talked about how he came to Toronto because 
He has a relationship with Darko Rakovic dating back to their time together in Oklahoma City. Uh, Darko called him essentially once Fred left and said, you know, we want you to come in. And he used the word starting point guard. And I think Dennis thinks he's going to be the starting point guard. And for those reasons, I think he's going to be the starting point guard. But the Raptors, I think, have six players who think they're going to be starters on this team. Uh, and Gary Trent Jr. started last season as a starter, moved to the bench when uh, they tr- the team traded for uh, Yaka Pirtle. But I think he thinks he's going to be a starter too. So uh, whether Dennis is the starting point guard or pass- or Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam are handling point guard duties in a weird uh, point guardless lineup, I could see the Raptors going in either direction. But I think the Raptors do need a, a stabling veteran player kind of point guard. The problem is that unless you guys feel otherwise, Dennis is not a shooter. Uh, shooter, excuse me. Uh, he is is he's not going to be able to shoot pull up jumpers the way that Fred has historically. And if you're running a pick and roll with Dennis and Jakob Pertl or Dennis and Scotty Barnes, there's no shooting there. And no. you can't run in the modern NBA. You can't have four, three or four guys on the court at the same time who are either no shooters the way that Yaka Pertle is or below average shooters, uh, non-shooters, I should have said. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Dennis fits alongside a bunch of other guys who aren't particularly good shooters. I think Dennis will be a, uh, Fred was a really good help defender, but I think as his career continued, uh, he lost some of that point of attack defense. And I think my understanding is Dennis is a really good point of attack defender. And I think the Raptors could use that, but he's not an all-star player. And if you were a a 41 and 41 team last year and you lose a player like Fred, who has been an all-star in the past and was a really good player in some advanced metrics, say the best player for the Raptors last season, and you replace him with Dennis, you know, best case scenario, you're a 41, 41 team with some development from other players. I don't see this. Dennis coming in, the chemistry being better on this team. Maybe Scotty Barnes takes a step forward, and all of a sudden, you know, you're a second round, third round playoff team. So it was a good signing on paper because I think Dennis is a talented basketball player. But we go back to what direction are you going in? And to sign a 30 year old point guard to replace uh, your 30 year old point guard so that you can be a first round exit didn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, but again, not a lot of what the Raptors have done this summer and lately has made a ton of sense. Um, but I think Dennis will, will fit well, at least on the court with, with the Raptors, save for some of the spacing issues. There's a reason why he was sixth man of the year way back with the Oklahoma City is because of the fact he flourishes coming off the bench as he did last year with the Lakers. It is when you start him. That's where you get into some issues because having him play 32, 33 minutes a night is just not the answer. Like you said, his flaws start to show a little bit more. The fact he cannot fill it up from the outside as well as some maybe some other individuals, like you mentioned with Van Vliet. It's just that, you know, whatever he provides you is best in spots, but not over the long haul as a starter. That's that's probably the best way to say it is he flourishes best when he's coming off the bench. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.
Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Once again, it is Aaron Rose from Sports Illustrated. Great to have him here. If you want to go ahead and check out Aaron's great work, please go ahead and do so today at SI.com. One last thing I want to go ahead and touch on, unless Joe has a question as well, or or Sean on the Toronto Raptors, and that is, who is the under-the-radar individual on this roster that stands out to you as someone that needs to get more love and attention that you think will have a pretty darn good year for the Toronto Raptors? Yeah, it's tough, but I think I'm going to say Precious Achua because he was really, really impressive in the second half two years ago. After the All-Star break, he went to the Rising Stars game, I want to say, and after that, he became a three-point shooter and was really impressive for the Raptors. And then last year, he battled injuries off and on. He had a big injury that kept him sidelined for, I want to say, over a month and just never found his rhythm. And Got lost was in the shuffle, per se. Yeah, it was a disappointing season for him. And I think Nick lost confidence in him. There was time that Nick was calling him out publicly saying he needed to play better. And, you know, he was in trouble if he didn't play better, essentially. But I think just like it is sort of a a big season for Scotty Barnes, I think it's a big year for Precious Achua, where we might be talking about this guy as, you know, a really valuable rotation player and somebody who might have trade value being a young interesting player versatile six nine can defend across multiple positions can maybe play up and play the center spot maybe he can shoot the three like he did a few years ago and maybe he can create a little bit for himself and now we're talking about a really complete kind of player now i'm not expecting an all-star or anything but maybe he can be like a valuable six man or or a fifth man uh somebody starting eventually or maybe he's just a guy and maybe he's you know, the the 10th man or the 11th man in a rotation somewhere and nobody's talking about him anymore. So I'm still bullish and buying in on Precious Achua, but I think we have to see it this year. And when we talk about guys who could make or break this Raptor season, I think a big step forward from him, I think he's going into his fourth year, uh, would be uh, huge for Toronto this season. Questions for Aaron? Great to have him here. He's provided so so much great insight so far on the Toronto Raptors. Guys, do you have any questions before we finally get the word and honest opinion on the big purple and gold as far as his his thoughts on them there? Yeah, Aaron, um, you know, I've 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 lived in this city probably probably a little bit longer than you have. I will say this, it feels like there's kind of this shadow around Raps fans that not only are they year to year, it feels like Masai's year to year as well. I know there. Well, he mentioned earlier about the the very cold seat because he won the championship. Reminds me a little bit about the trajectory of Rob Palenka, because this time last year it was getting a little bit warm for Rob Palenka, right, Sean? And and throughout the year, yes, it was Joe. Yeah, and it was. He got an mention. He didn't. Well, because from us right here, we were just roasting him. We a were lot. putting him on the hot seat, but the Lakers yeah, didn't. For, they signed, they extended him. Oh, we uh, had him. We had him on a skittle. We had him on a skittle, indeed. But yeah. he did manage to go ahead and make his way. You know, ease off any tensions with Lakers fans with his great performance during the GM. Uh, as far I, as I just when, think during the I, trade yeah, deadline, absolutely, Joe. And my, the only reason I say that is because Masai is uh, a brilliant executive. He, so this is his second time 
doing this. You know, he he originally turned around the the first incarnation of the Nuggets, and he's he planted the seed of why that organization decided to go and chase championships. Uh, but I digress, Aaron. Um, but I guess the point is, Masai has options. Uh, that's clearly what's written about in uh, the Toronto media. That because of his connections with with the NBA and Basketball Africa, and he's obviously he's he's a global executive. So, do you think that that's partly the reason why they can't really choose a direction? Is because they don't really know which direction Masai is going? Yeah, I, I think Masai to me is committed to this team. I think there's been some, ch- you know minor changes in ownership we heard that larry tannenbaum was selling part of his ownership he's sort of the lead owner of the toronto raptors in a big conglomerate of of uh, organizations in toronto but i think as long as larry's here um running this organization Masai's spot within standing in the organization should be pretty safe but we sat here last year and we talked about how if, if I recall correctly, the Lakers were interested in Nick Nurse. And uh, Masai Ujiri was asked about that and said, they can dream like I dream. I want Messi. I want Cristiano Ronaldo. I want Kobe Bryant. And 12 months later, Nick Nurse was out of a job. So life comes at you fast in the NBA. Uh, and I think that Masai still is in a, a really comfortable spot. And I think um, for better or for worse, he is a a world executive, as you mentioned, someone who does great charity work uh, across the world in Africa. He's passionate about things other than basketball. And I don't know how he's able to get it all done, but I think he's he's a bright spot. Like he, he's an executive that basketball aside, you can be proud of. He's not going to embarrass you. He presents confidently. Uh, he presents wisely and he cares about things that outside of basketball are important. But to basketball fans, it's it's what have you done for me lately? And are you helping this team? And I could see eventually if things continue heading in a not so great organization uh, direction, excuse me, maybe the organization maybe mutually decides to go in another direction. I don't think we're going to see that this season. I, I don't necessarily think it's imminent. But as I, I said earlier, uh, life comes at you fast in the NBA and you never know what's coming a year from now. So could it happen? Possibly. But at this point, I don't expect a change in Raptors leadership uh, anytime soon once again it is aaron rose please go ahead and check out his awesome articles today especially if you're a team canada fan right now he's got some great articles i posted the link in the chat but for everybody out there listening it is si.com go ahead and check out what aaron rose is doing today he's got some again some great articles that you really need to go ahead and look into on the raptors team canada and more right there for you at si.com Joe, any questions before we get into the purple and gold, my friend? No, you're all set? Okay, so I ask you, Aaron, when it comes to the purple and gold, we want to hear an honest opinion. We've been getting opinions from around experts so far. We're touching on the Eastern Conference, almost finished up with the Eastern Conference so far. Uh, They've talked and, and spoke at length about the thoughts around what the Lakers might do this season. We'd love to hear from you as someone who is a little bit more on the inside than some of the experts that we've talked to already. Tell us your thoughts on this upcoming season for the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. And they were a team that 
people were talking about could Gary Trent Jr. go there either in free agency or dating back to last year. It seemed like they could have used a shooter and a playmaker um, potentially off the bench last year. And same with Fred Van Vliet. Uh, could they have used a point guard like Fred? They went in a different direction. I don't doesn't seem like they people were so happy with the D'Angelo Russell uh, decision. Um, Fred Van Vliet might have been more helpful uh, to the Lakers. But I think that so much of the Lakers comes down to the health of their two big guys. Uh, is LeBron going to be healthy? And how is he going to age uh, this far into his career? Uh, I'm sure everyone else has said that. And same with Anthony Davis. If those two guys are playing at the peak of their powers, then they're as good as anyone else in the league. And, and the um, what we've seen from uh, Reeves in the FIBA World Cup has been impressive. I can only imagine Lakers fans are very excited about what another season could look like with, we were talking about a big two and I don't necessarily want to put Reeves in a big three conversation. Certainly not yeah. when we're talking about future hall of famers, but something like a big three. And he's certainly a step below those two guys, but is that the future for the Lakers? They're going to be, if those guys are healthy among the best teams I see in the Western conference, but asking those guys, uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis to stay healthy through a regular season and through a playoffs, is always going to be a question mark. And I think that the Warriors are still an incredible team in the West. I think the Nuggets aren't going anywhere. Uh, Memphis, if John Morant can get straight, is going to be an incredibly uh, talented team this year. Maybe we see something from the Pelicans. I look at the West, and while the Eastern Conference still has a lot of good teams, uh, really good teams, Maybe it's not too dissimilar to the West of a few years ago where we were looking at that as the conference that is just loaded with talent. Uh, and, you know, we didn't even mention Dallas, uh, Luka Doncic, uh, perennial MVP guy. So uh, the Lakers are probably in the mix of teams that could win the championship. Their ceiling is probably just as high as anyone. At this point, I wouldn't say they're, you know, the championship favorites. But at the same time, you could say their floor if those two guys have issues, their floor, would it be shocking if they missed the playoffs? If something happened to those guys, probably not um, because of the depth the East uh, the Western conference, excuse me, has. Um, so uh, certainly always an interesting team. Anytime LeBron's playing, it's a, it's a great team uh, to watch, but an interesting team season for the Lakers, because uh, you'd have to think the clock is ticking on LeBron James. Exactly. And we're just hoping again that they don't get off to another two and 10 start, uh, that they don't have to climb themselves out of the hole like they did last year. Uh, and hoping for maybe a, with the kind of tradable contracts that they have below LeBron and AD, that they could maybe, if they needed at the very end, if they need that little extra push to go ahead and bring in someone with the kind of tradable contracts that they have. But Sean or Joe, did you have any questions for Aaron on the Lakers, his thoughts, his insight? Because I thought that was very sound on his judgment and what his thoughts are on the L.A. Lakers. 100% summed it up as we have, Gerald. I mean, short and sweet, that's basically what it comes down to, is that there's this really big pyramid, and LeBron and AD are at the top. And if they're not healthy, it's going to come crumbling like ships into the sea eventually. It is again Aaron Rose from Sports Illustrated. You've been tremendous on the show. We cannot thank you enough for being part of what we're doing today. Uh, if we get a chance and we meet up with the Toronto and the Lakers coming up here twice this season, we'd love to have you on as far as for pregame or something we could tape in advance because we know your schedule's busy, obviously working with Sports Illustrated. But before we head on out, please go ahead. The floor is yours, my friend. Please go ahead and 
let everyone know anything you want as far as promoting, as far as uh, you know, chilling out there, as far as whatever you want to talk about, as far as what you're up to, what you're doing. Please go ahead. The floor is now yours for Aaron Rose. We, you guys have been very generous plugging my written content at SI.com, uh, the Raptors page. But at the same time, I'm always on social media, Instagram, TikTok, uh, occasionally the artist formerly known as Twitter. Uh, so you can find me there at Aaron Ben Rose. And the one thing I want to say to Raptors fans watching this is uh, if you want to see LeBron this season or any superstars in the Western Conference, make sure you check the road schedule for those teams. Are those teams playing on the second half of a back-to-back? Because the last thing that I, my biggest fear for Raptors fans is they pay those premium prices with huge LeBron fans to see the Lakers. And what do you know? It's the second night of a back-to-back and LeBron James isn't playing. And I feel like we've seen that so many times for Raptors fans in the past. So make sure you check the Lakers schedule uh, to see if the Lakers are in the second half of a back-to-back. And if they are, uh, buyer beware. Uh, it's a red flag. You never know if Anthony Davis and LeBron are going to play. They might, but at the same time, they might not. I can see Sean fighting through the vaunted Toronto traffic, which Tom Cruise hates so much. And just to get to the arena, he's he got his ticket, you know, good seats. He's got his popcorn, his hot dog. He's like going down the aisle. He's like coming down the stairs into his seat. And he's all ready. And of course, it's a back-to-back with LeBron James, so they are going to load manage him. Uh, Sean, you better check that out and make sure. Uh, we did the schedule episode uh, a couple weeks ago, so you better make sure you got that pointer, my friend. I, I'm I'm on it, Gerald. I'm on it. <laughs> I don't want you spending $150, $200. Ooh. Yeah, for, yeah. For nothing, man. No, I don't want yeah. to do that either. Otherwise, Joe and I are going to be watching a playback and see this like crazy guy in a Lakers jersey at Toronto just going, where are you? <laughs> so, I'll tell you what, indeed. But Aaron, uh, great to have you on. Again, please go ahead and support him today. Go ahead and check out his awesome articles. I had a chance to. It's just very, very well-written work. And we truly appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Again, you're always welcome to come back on. I look forward to bringing you back on. Looking forward to a great season from the Lakers, but also the Toronto Raptors figuring out just a direction on what they want to do and solidifying things going forward. Because like you said, Aaron, it looks like there's very much a possibility that it can get, it can blow up and, you know, just by letting things go, it could, by the end of next season in the summer, make Toronto fans very unhappy. And I, I, that's not cool. Sean has been a, you know, obviously, like you said, individual from Toronto for such a long time. And, you know, he'd hate to see the community so upset about what's going on in Toronto, Aaron. Hopefully they pick a direction. We have a great season here in Toronto. Uh, or at least they pick a direction and, and the future is bright in Toronto. So yes. uh, uh, hopefully it's a great year and it's always a great time to uh, get basketball starting up in a couple months from now. Can't wait. Can't wait. But once again, it is Aaron Rose from Sports Illustrated. Please go ahead and check out his great work today at SI.com. Aaron, great to have you here. Joe, Oxline T47 on LakersBall.com and the Magic Man, Sean Grice. We'll be back tomorrow for another great episode. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts out there. Talking Lakers basketball. Once again, we've got more great team previews next week as well. Coming up right here on the Lakers Basketball Podcast.